0: Yes, you are back once again for another edition of Kent and the Steering Team. Oh, that lovable podcast all about that stuff and things. Anyway, on with the show. Um, As always, (laughs) you are joined by myself, Phil, my friends Bianca and Drew. Unfortunately, though, there is no Kent. Um, Kent's decided instead that he's going to slowly dissect packaging of Apple products and caress the soft satin matte sort of feel of uh, the cardboard box. I
1: wish anyway, I was Kent right now.
0: I feel like Kent just watched you do it and
2: decided it was his turn.
0: Yeah. Well, look, he's. Um, yeah. What can I say? Um, yeah, he's an interesting fellow. But uh, how are you guys? Good. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm
1: actually recovering from a traumatic injury. I had traumatic. that chili yesterday. A ghost oh, pepper. Oh, yes. I had Ooh, yes. two ghost peppers. My granddad mixed two ghost peppers into dinner, not realizing they were ghost peppers because I told him they were chili and only use half, but he didn't believe me. He underestimated the power, and I've just been... I think I died last night. That was bad, but yeah, I'm recovering <laughs> from that. I still, I, oh, I'm still only drinking water now. I haven't eaten today except for cereal and a Snickers bar.
2: Oh dear, you poor
0: thing! <laughs> Jesus, Bianca! Oh, I'm so sorry. That's but um, look, hey, hey! Um, um, we're, we're still coming to you. We're still, we're still here. We're still able to record and everything like that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we're, how, how we're are you, a- Phil? Huh? How are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine and dandy. Yeah. Just, uh, just fine. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, I think I'm very much like all of Sydney when I say that. That. Uh, I'm starting to uh starting to not want to be in lockdown anymore. Um I mean again, I think I think it's kind of like it's just kind of like poor us now, I think. Poor us. Melbourne got its turn of being poor part of Australia. Now it's poor New South Wales, poor Sydney, poor us. But I, um
2: I have be- I have very little sympathy for us on the whole.
0: Yeah, no so do I, but I have sympathy for yeah. for select few of us in Sydney, um part of this. Yeah, me too. Uh, I feel
1: sorry for like People who are really getting fucked over by this. But I also they, feel yeah. sorry for
0: those that are trying to take this seriously, or for it to not be taken seriously by fucking idiots, uh, and things mm. continue to spiral out of control, and then suddenly just go, "Why is it? Why can't everyone just get their shit together?" Even though I'm not.
1: This is because completely, you're not shit. completely not planned, topic off topic. But um, I had a really funny discussion with my brother yesterday about some people who we grew up with, who. Um, like to do the anti-vaxxer thing and one of them in particular not to mention names was like um Mm -hmm. oh i'm very self-conscious about what i put in my body and i don't want to be putting you know poisons that i don't know um but we also know they happen to be one of the biggest coke heads and we just kind of want to know if they talk to their coke dealer (laughs) <laughs> about what's in there cocaine and I
2: I just want to <laughs> make sure that I'm getting the stuff north of the bridge, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just Yeah. I mean, it was just a- and the funniest was my brother was like when you're s- when they're snorting cocaine off toilet lids in nightclubs, are they really that health conscious about what they're putting on? <laughs> I think people Imagine like they're that,
2: having that conversation over the toilet. <laughs>
0: oh, I think so people funny. like that, though, do deserve um, to COVID? have the toilet yes. seat slammed on their head <laughs> many times.
2: While they inhale their little shards
0: of glass. Yeah, pretty yes. pretty outrageous.
1: Yeah, sorry, um, I'm with the show. Apologies.
0: That was a funny... No, 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 perfectly fine. Oh, people like that drive me absolutely insane. Um, but mm. yeah, anyway, look, as, as Sydney does um, enter its fourth week of lockdown... Um, a lot of us have started doing that thing where we start to turn to to, to Netflix and um, and binging on other on Netflix shows, Amazon shows, Stan shows, other TV shows, um, and obviously, inevitably, the three of us. You know we' we'll, we'll we'll end up watching a documentary or two. Um, it's just what we do. Um, it's what we like to do. We like to pass the time doing that. Drew with movies sometimes and maybe with documentaries or drew with other d- documentaries as well and Bianca absolutely with documentaries. Um, and and it's it's made us realize just how mainstream documentaries and like docu series have become. And so what we thought was um, we should take a, a closer look at the evolution of documentaries and what we like to watch. But firstly, we thought we should probably touch on um, the idea that, is it just lockdown that's made documentaries so popular? Or are they going that way already?
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, think about just how much Netflix alone has put out in the last 12 months. You know, we've had things like Tiger King, The Social Dilemma, My Octopus Teacher, um, the ESPN one, The Last Dance. Yes. All these things have been... Hitting, drive to you know, hard and fast, Drive to Survive, which even what it's in three seasons now Mm. is now really starting to gain some momentum and some prominence because people have been just sitting there at home and gone, oh my God, this is here and this is interesting. And, you know, it's becoming the new version of the, the shows you'd stand and talk about around the water cooler or in this case around the Zoom meeting.
1: I mean, it's not like I made last year, but like last year I watched the Ted Bundy tapes and they were kind of like one of my favorites. It just creeped me out in like one of the most marvelous ways. But like Netflix especially has been producing some
0: really Dude.
1: banger so, docu-series speak, that kind of got us into all of them. Well, speak, yeah.
0: speaking of um, Ted Bundy and like docu, document, like diff, different, those sorts of documentaries and shit. Yeah. Um, Zach Efron has a new docu series of sorts out on Netflix, where he goes around the world in search of, like, a sustainable way to live. Like, down to. Yeah. Earth.
1: It's called. Oh, down oh to Earth. it's
0: got down to. The, okay, okay, okay. Well, cool. But again, isn't it fitting that Ted Bundy, because he played Ted Bundy, see the, see, did you see the, um, I the, see segue. the segue? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs>
2: we like to wave at it as it passes by.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway before we go get into the first topic of the night, which is about documentaries, um, but also about politics and entertainment news,
2: I think they call that a three for one.
0: Yes, they do. yes they do. Uh, how do we feel about about celebrities um, celebrities who are mostly known for like acting and music stuff um, being involved in documentaries that aren't biographical, but are more like informative. So basically, like you know, a normal, a normal documentary being hosted by a celebrity, you know, like a left field choice for who should actually be do- be leading this documentary.
2: Well, well I, d- I don't know about um, inform. Well, I guess it is informative, but the world according to Jeff Goldblum.
1: <laughs> well, like I think it's yeah. just more
2: weird and entertaining. Really,
1: mm. <laughs> that one's interesting. Yeah. But yeah no, it's, it's, because, like, mm. he does, he goes into interesting topics and he goes and, like, talks to interesting people. I guess it depends on how it is. Like, he goes and talks to interesting people and, you know, shows kind of yeah. his point of view on things. And Jeff Goldblum is an interesting guy. But, I mean, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry have signed a deal with Netflix to produce a series of documentaries. And I don't know what they're mm. going to be about. I don't know what the two of them like as I don't mind Prince Harry or Meghan Markle don't get me wrong I'm not like haters but what 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 do they have to say about anything
2: <laughs> Like um, we do wonder
0: No but look on the topic on the topic of them I, I completely believe that that um Yeah okay I don't want to do this as a tangent Meghan Markle has definitely been hard done by by the British press by a long way Yes she oh, no, is I a pretty I agree with that Yes she is a Pretty average actor on her time on suit, Or she was a pretty average actor on her time on Suits Wasn't anything special Um, But she's definitely been hard done by By the press for no good reason Um, And so I do though think that it For for Prince Harry to want to up and leave um, With his wife because he doesn't like the attention that they're getting Or he's sick and tired of being in the face of the media all the time um, or being in the public eye, I do think it's a little bit ridiculous for that to be a reason to up and leave. Only for you to sign a deal with Netflix to be,
1: yeah, in the public eye. And that kind do of just the doesn't. The Oprah thing and do all that. I, I just yeah. think it's kind of like, look, there's, there's that. Like, I don't care that they left the royal family. I do think it's slack everything that happened to them and the media coverage mm. that they received, and it is. I'm not saying it's not um, heavy-handed what Meghan Markle received versus what um, Kate received, and it is mm. racism. And I'm I'm I would never. This isn't me saying anything about that. That's a different topic. But them having documentary series on Netflix and producing stuff like, I mean, unless it's about British history for Prince Harry or like a look at actors for Meghan Markle. I don't know what... Like, mm. the, the the two of them aren't the most... Int- without being a prince and without being on suits, they're not interesting people. <laughs> Does
2: yeah, this so make what sense? is the relevance? So,
1: like, yeah, what's the relevance? I don't get it. I mean, Chris Hemsworth yeah. is also doing a shark beach. He's also doing yeah, a documentary so- called Shark Beach. But yeah,
0: that he's, he's he, makes he, sense. He's a isn't surfer. He doing that, isn't he doing yeah. that for... um? Isn't he doing that for – didn't he do it for Shark Week or something? Yeah, it is for Shark Week. I
1: can't remember who – I don't don't know if it's a National Geographic one or not. Maybe it is. I
0: feel like it's a Discovery Channel or something. Yeah,
1: Discovery Channel. Yeah, yeah, like, it's one of the sponsored. And, like, that makes sense to me because he grew up on the beach. He's a surfer. Australia has a big thing of shark culture. You know, he – he has that experience, but like, what the fuck is like, what's what are they going to talk about? Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? I have no idea. I, no. I can it's, about, uh, as think of any it's topic about as relevant. It's about as relevant um,
2: as Benedict Cumberbatch and his penguins. <laughs> <laughs> penguins. In <laughs> yeah, Benedict is,
1: Cumberbatch's defense, he didn't present it as Benedict Cumberbatch. He wasn't there as Benedict Cumberbatch. He was just the voice behind the documentary. He was there as a narrator.
0: Yeah, he's a narrator. That's true.
1: So if it, if they're narrating shit, cool. I don't mind narrate. I yeah. don't mind narrating by celebrities because I think Sigourney Weaver does like a couple of documentaries. Yes, she does.
2: Well, she well she's been doing documentaries to do with that, and she's gone on um on the documentaries herself as well as narrating them. Um. I th- yeah, but she I think she's go- gorillas in the mist.
1: I think Sigourney Weaver started narrating. And then got into yeah. presenting, which makes sense because that's a, that's a career projection. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, yeah, that's... exactly. It Dave, is. David... You're right.
0: It, it is this. It's this. Um, there's a difference between being on there because you've got a name and being on there because you're the narrator.
1: Yeah. So David Attenborough, he was mm. he didn't start off, you know, going into the wild and learning all of these things. He started off as like a journalist kind of into kind of the National Geographic stuff, and he had a good voice. So he became Mm. the voice of National Geographic and became the best narrator. And then because of that, because everyone enjoyed his voice and enjoyed his narration, and he had a background in history and journalism, that's how he got, became like a host of shows and presented shows. And he was actually, Mm. you know, more involved in it and he produced them coming back Mm. to Meghan markle and prince harry i don't know how they i don't know what they're going to do unless they're just backing and like creating the ideas and then some other creative team is going to do it i don't Mm. get it yeah but i i again i'm not against hosting general celebrities hosting documentaries in general i just it, it there's also another thing that i don't like which is hypocrisy like in documentaries and news presenting which like for example I mean it's not exactly but this week in um, the news Sky News who normally rally against carbon tax initiatives and all that um, like who don't want to they always say you know they go against initiatives sorry that would reduce our carbon footprint this week they wrote an article about the fact that permafrost is melting in Russia and that's going to probably release about 1400 gigatons of carbon into the earth's atmosphere and for Mm. like reference currently in the atmosphere there's only 950 gigatons of carbon and we're already at like really critically high levels and Mm. they wrote this massive article and then asked what can be done about this
0: (laughs) that's that's pretty ironic is it not
1: pretty much it's just like it's hypocrisy and just to bring this conversation into full circle documentary celebrities hypocrisy in environment gal gadot Mm. is presenting a docu-series on national geographic called impact which explores six remarkable women and their efforts to uh, impact the environment in more positive ways and now while this is series was like supposed to be empowering and uh you know presented by wonder woman and being a big deal and all that the series Mm. fifth episode is massively controversial because it presents a female chief cheryl of the southern louisiana tribe and i'm going to screw up the pronunciation and i apologize point uh point a i don't know um uh but they she she's the leader of her tribe and she's led she might have to lead her tribe out of their home and set up at a different location because they might become the first case of climate refugees in the world wow yeah so um right yeah but like basic but what it is is basically like due to land erosion caused by oil and the timber extraction in the their area um combined with like all climate change weather record storms and the water rising most of their homes are like underwater or on unstable land it's unlivable and they're Land is worth shit, so they can't sell it. Um, Their people have lived there for generations, but now they might not be able to live anymore and they're going to become displaced. They're going to become refugees.
0: They're going to become refugees?
1: Yes.
0: So Gal Gadot is talking about refugees.
1: Speaking of ironic, and we have come full circle, I was really proud that that was a full circle moment.
0: I, is on.
2: she? Is she even qualified?
0: Hang on, hang on. Before you, before, before we answer that, yeah. I, look, I, you, you said the first part about what she was talking about, um, and I kind of had to pause there because I was like, "Hang on, she's talking about really powerful women. Is she talking about someone who's been displaced?"
1: Yes. Right. Anyway. Continue so the the, the powerful woman is she's she's the first. Um, Cheryl, whose surname was not on anything that I could find um, Cheryl's is the first female uh, leader of her tribe
0: That's that's empowering and everything And that's great It is empowering and I see the connection to have Wonder Woman doing it But then you lost me when you got to the whole refugee thing Anyway,
1: yeah, what, what, Everyone got yeah. lost because I mean, after posting her meaningless comments About how her heart broke for Israel and their neighbours not not the Palestinians and their neighbours. Um, after all the shit that happened this year in Gaza, um, she basically blocks like heaps of accounts criticising her for the double standards. Um, about that's even
0: more pathetic when you block when you don't accept the criticism when you just block it.
1: Yeah, because I mean the fact that she doesn't really care about the refugees of her own country. You know, technically that land is it. You know. I mean, it's not, but in her eyes, it's her country um, that the IDF mm. and all that's causing. But she can't, she can't bring herself to see the same way of like you know, climate change mm. is causing one of them, but war is contra- causing that one, and both of them are causing refugees. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't like hypocrisy, and that's why I'm not a big fan of that.
0: No. My question... No, I completely agree.
1: I like, to, like, do you guys think it was appropriate or, like, how do you think it passed no. the National Geographic's production uh, no. team?
0: No, I think that it's appropriate when it's talking about... Um, and, again, I see the connection. I think it's a very loose mm. connection because I think it's a bullshit connection to try and make some, um, you know, entertainment film um, character that is completely fictional be the link between strong... You know, women without like a force behind them, or, w- or without the popularity or or, or notoriety of um, not notoriety, but you know, fame as someone like Gal Gadot has, and then put Gal Gadot next to like a long sober and you know, expect us to be like, wow, that's a relevant choice for an upstanding kind of. It's host. I no, I don't agree to that. That I I don't it f- agree with.
2: It feels like this blurring of the lines of an actor and their character. Your your actor and your character are two completely different individuals. Mm. So, sure, make make a series, make a documentary series and have Wonder Woman be the host. It doesn't have to be Gal Gadot. You just have Wonder Woman, just have a little animated Wonder Woman pop up voiced by whoever. And have that as the beacon. And, that is the image.
0: And if you want you don't to get
2: a, the actress that doesn't necessarily align with what is going on in the documentary, who doesn't
0: represent that because they don't yeah. represent that. And also, it depends on the tone of your documentary. If you're doing something serious, to have someone like that isn't an appropriate to- uh, choice. I think you know if you look at um, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, you know, and his series. His series is about quirky stuff, and yeah. Jeff Goldblum's quirky. Um, it's it's the same with Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver has a history of, of interest and care about that sort of... I mean, it's the same she, with... She works with, a lot
1: um, in the environment and she does stuff yeah, it's the same. It, so it's the it same
0: with sense. James Cameron. James Cameron, the director, he, he he is also passionate about all that sort of stuff and passionate about Titanic. So he's the relevant choice to have on the panel for this documentary and as the, the narrator for this documentary. He's the appropriate yeah. choice for that. Yeah. Um, Because there's relevance there. When there's no relevance there, when you pick someone purely because of some loose, completely contrived link, that just makes the documentary and its power, or potential power and captivation, disappear.
1: To be honest, even if it was Linda Carter, who also played Wonder Woman, but Linda Carter, who throughout the years has also done a lot for women's activism...
0: That's different. Yeah. I'd be, That's different. It, it, That's someone taking an active cause or an active interest in a cause and therefore being the right person because they embody the character that they are famous for portraying. Also, That's Zoe Solander
1: was also the voice of Wonder Woman. And again, they haven't made this Wonder Woman connection. This is a Wonder Woman connection that I've made and pulled out. But
0: but it's definitely it's the, the only reason why. Because otherwise, think why the hell would she be there?
1: Exactly. So, You'd
0: have someone else powerful there.
1: Zoe Salander, who's played yeah. the voice of Wonder Woman in quite a few of the animated series, if she did the role, she also has an active thing. Um, she has. She also partakes a lot in like, environmental causes. So either one of them I could have accepted, okay, mm. yes, they are Wonder Woman, and yes, they do. But yes, they also have in women and climate activism, they do things in that department too it's i i don't it i don't care and again back to the celebrities should they be doing it i don't care if celebrities do documentary series and are documentary hosts it's that i want to know what the relevance of having them there it's like having justin bieber present a documentary about like world war ii why yeah i, I want i want the, I want the relevancy
0: yeah. i want the relevancy to be that uh, no, I want there to be a I don't want them to be there so that way they draw attention.
1: Yeah, Justin Bieber did a documentary series about like, you know, '90s R&B. Sure, I get that. That's how he evolved into who he was. That like connects to his current project. I just, I just need the, I need the, di- the connection. Yeah, and it has to be a good Absolutely. one. It can't just be he. You know, she was Wonder Woman once.
0: Absolutely, completely agree. Drew. Yeah. Um,
2: no, I I am a hundred percent on board with that. It it's the again her her relevance and appropriateness are not there. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Th- there there is no relevance to having her there except that someone in that boardroom or many people in that boardroom thought, oh well, you know she's popular, she's relevant, she'll draw in a crowd. Well. She clearly has, but not for the reasons they intended.
1: No, there was yeah. even a petition to get the series cancelled once they found out what the topic was. Um, so, <sighs> yeah. Anyway, um, how yeah. about we go to a commercial break and we'll come back with more about documentaries.
0: It sounds like a plan. Perfect. Is
2: the iron undoing all your hard work wearing those pants in. Well, it's time to get the all new and improved Pant Creaser. The Pant Creaser returns your pants to that well-worn look with all the charm that comes with it. No more looking like you've never worked a day in your life. Arrive like you've worked the live long day with Pant Creaser. And coming soon, Shirt Creaser. Welcome back to the show. Now, if you're just joining us, this week we're talking
0: documentaries. If they're just joining us, they've clearly worked out how to skip ahead the perfect amount.
1: Or how to tune out for 20 minutes.
0: Didn't we all learn that ability in school? (laughs) Yeah, true. Basically, if there was a really boring class, that's exactly what I'd do. I just like scribbled down the side of
1: my page I'm sorry
0: (laughs) Of course you did
2: Look I found that It was the case from time to time at school When they would put on (laughs) You guessed it documentaries
1: You know those were like My favourite like lessons ever When we just got to watch like Fun little documentaries and shit
0: yeah, turn on the TV, r- roll it in on the trundle, sit it up the front, and yeah, bring it on. Uh, that'd be like the most captivated I'd be in class, just sitting there <laughs> staring at the TV. It's like all right,
2: right, all right. All right, well, look, hang on. I'm not saying all of them were boring. In fact, many of them were quite interesting. Of course, a lot of it depended on the topic and or the presentation. Mm. That said, there were some that were just so damn dry that it made it impossible not to nap through them. You guys remember the kinds? I mean, like, like, like there were just some that were like uh, you, like you yeah. wondered where they dredged it up from, and and you could always tell because you know they'd be blowing the damn dust off the tape before they put it in the machine. Yeah, it,
0: it'd be some, it'd be some like totally ancient kind of um, thing. That's that's not necessarily the the information's out of date. It's just not relevant anymore. Like it'd just be like, what the fuck are we watching this for? what's, it, what's with, like, it's like that moment
2: well. in. It's like that moment in The Simpsons when um, when they bring the TV into class and they all the get projector. excited, <gasps> or oh, the projector, they they all go, <gasps> and then they see the PBS logo go up and they all go, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, it's it's that. I
1: remember we had, I mean, we had this really great um, history teacher at school. Um, her name was Miss Daly. Shout out if she oh, yeah. ever listens to this. Legend. Um, she is a legend. Like I'm happy to say her name because she was amazing. Um, and she we used to watch those kind of like old school documentaries and while she, we were watching it, like she'd pause it halfway through and be like, okay, so this is all inaccurate now they've disproven this. And then she'd go into these massive tangents about like what the history what they proved the history actually was and why the history was influenced and wrong. did, did we and then, did we not watch we,
0: one on um, Pompeii and Herculaneum at school?
1: Yes, we did. I remember that one. Um, it is, and that I was remember the which one it was in too. The one downstairs, near the bathrooms. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, with the lockers across the hall. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I remember it too. I remember where I was sitting in that class. Um, but no, she also in one of those lectures. I remember when she was correcting something that they said. She went on such a mad tangent that she ended up talking about how, back when Romans used to win wars, um. And they'd bring the returning like hailed heroes on like mm. a march back into the city on a giant like a giant podium with a giant golden swinging dick underneath it. <laughs> and that that has stuck with me for what is it? The, the
0: realities. Twenty the realities
1: something. Of war. Yeah. Or well, over te- over fifteen years. So yeah. Thanks, Miss Daly yeah that that's the tan that's the documentaries i remember watching that just led to those <laughs> tangents
2: <laughs> i love that it's stuck with you though
1: yeah pretty much yeah it's a, yeah, a funny fact know. when you're a teenager but uh if you, now like now that we're all like here and we're wondering how they have mm. evolved have they evolved or is it us who've evolved not just the audience i think i, I think like the world <laughs>
2: well i I think it's it's a healthy mix of all of it really
0: yeah uh i i i reckon what i've what I've found i mean if I look at me, for example, I used to not have any interest in politics now I find politics quite fascinating and the whole game of it quite interesting, frustrating but interesting um and so I've found that as I get older my my interests in programming, they've matured unlike my taste buds. Um and I tend to go for like more <laughs> gritty. I tend to go for more like gritty content. Tea. Sorry. Uh <laughs> um, <I was> <laughs> I'm sorry, Rica. Um but it's true. Like I, I again I'll go for more gritty things. Um last year during during lockdown I watched an entire series on World War Two in colour, and just to find out all the informations and little bit bits of information on it. Um, in fact, I watched two variations of the same concept, World War Two in colour. Two different, completely completely different documentaries with different takes. Um, yeah, like I'll, I'll listen and watch things that are that I had no interest on earlier in life, or that just weren't relevant, um, uh, or even things that aren't necessarily new content, but things that are about. Um, You know, older documentaries, maybe, that are still of relevant or correct information that I just wouldn't Mm. have had any interest in when I was younger.
1: I think um, with me, because, I mean, Phil, you knew me as a child. I was quite a sensible thing, and I used to love historical documentaries. Yep. But now I watch more, like, crime. I I Mm. still watch a lot of historical ones, and I like ones about historical crime that I do a lot of crime and, like, cults I'm obsessed with now and um, just stuff that's a bit more adult than I mean, I used to watch really adult documentaries, I'm not gonna lie about, like, historical events that I probably should not have learnt about when I was, like, in primary school. But, yeah, I I prefer like, crime nowadays. But, like, I don't think it's just the um, our tastes maturing and our Mm. I think it has to do with access because there are so many. We've talked about how many streaming platforms are, and there's how many like um, channels there are now compared to when we were kids, when we had like seven, nine, and 10 in the ABC. And I think with all of them producing, all of the platforms are also production companies, which is a big deal. Like Channel 10 didn't used to produce their own things, they used to buy their own things and maybe make one show a year. Plus neighbors. Um, that now like everyone's producing their own things and everything is just fair game now for documentaries, and there has to be an audit audience for it. It's like rule 34, but instead of it being sex, there's a documentary for everyone. Um, like look yeah. at Tiger King, it's mm. a crazy ass story, and it sounds like a fictional tale that should not be real, but it's real, and you know, they've put it, they've made a series about it. And It captivated everyone and even... It it captivated people who loved documentaries and thought that that was the interesting spin and then it just captured people who, like, really loved crazy tales. I think it probably would have been... I think it probably would have been big even without COVID, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't know. I, 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 I think... I think the accessibility is also what's made documentaries thing. Because before it was like one channel, all of documentaries happened on SBS or ABC, majority of them. And then at every now and then there would be a special on the other free air channels. And then
0: yeah.
1: most documentaries with like National Geographic and all that, they moved to cable, which was only for rich people. And now that it's a bit more cheaper and a bit more accessible, everyone can have Netflix and... Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's got more captive audience.
2: It's Look, it's definitely changed in that regard because of that accessibility. And, you know, everyone can get their slice of that now. I I think that in many respects, those networks have have realised that they've been missing out on a piece of the pie. And now they all want a slice. But I feel like... um, with the evolution of technology as well, it's not just that access to content, but it's also the technology itself that's allowing us to tell stories in more interesting ways. The fact that, you know, cameras can get shots now that they couldn't even a decade ago, thanks to the the rise of drone technology and even... Um, Even something as simple as the fact that our microphones can pick up different sounds now and that home theaters are rather commonplace. So, you know, you can have these incredible documentaries where they're capturing different sounds and the sounds that they're capturing can be transferred to the home in a way that they couldn't before, that you can have a fuller, richer experience now. So they're really going for it there so to that end, documentaries are becoming as big as, you know, fictional film and television because we're seeing, you know, that level of care being put into this particular format of storytelling. And, you know, we're, we're seeing big names in all aspects of film and television, you know, diving into this mm. now. We've talked about, you know, some celebrities that, that are wanting in on it. But, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, film composer Hans Zimmer doing the Attenborough Planet Earth documentary. It's a great,
0: great score.
2: Like, how, how cool is that? Mm. I don't recall things like that happening, no. you know, 20, 30 years ago. No, it was it's usually just the
1: sound soundstage and then, mm. you know. Yeah. It got crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, even when... Even when school would take us to IMAX to see a documentary there, school it was shot IMAX? for IMAX and it, and it was a spectacle to see it. But even now, the documentaries that we're seeing here at home, some of that, the scale of it and the imagery of that would rival the stuff that was going to IMAX 20, 30 years ago.
1: Can I just quickly check, it's, did we all go see the same movie at IMAX with all of our schools that had the butterflies erupting did, from the screen?
0: Did, did, I, did I go in, I didn't think I went and saw some at IMAX. I, I, I don't remember
2: that. I saw Shackleton and the Mount Kilimanjaro one at IMAX. They're the two I distinctly remember going to see. I we distinctly saw remember one of the first
1: never ones. going. Oh, yeah, because you went to a Catholic school that yeah. didn't take you anywhere. And then I joined Ooh. you at the high school equivalent of that Catholic school, which yep. also didn't take us anywhere. Um, yep. But no, when I was in primary school, we went on a lot of excursions and we mm. went to the IMAX when it was first 3D and they took us to see this nature documentary where they showed these all the butterflies erupting out of the screen and I just remember it was like one of the most magical things like five-year-old brain had ever seen.
0: Oh. Yeah. I you know I, you know um, looking looking at kind of th- looking at the the change of, of um, documentaries you mem- you mentioned Tiger King um, obviously because again that was one that just blew us away because it was just like what the hell um, I feel like with documentaries now there's less risk in it being un unwatched if that makes sense like streaming services have kind yeah. of taken the risk away from it not being watched. Um, Streaming because services, there's an audience for everything. Yeah, and also streaming services have flops. Absolutely, there are flops on every streaming service. But I don't think it matters as much because it's kind of like, well, that would be subsidised by the good content or the you know the quality content. So it doesn't matter if this is a bad thing, um, you know. So so if if Tiger King ended up being something that no one watched, just because no one found it the fact is it's okay at least it was created because it was able to be subsidized based on the fact that there was there's potential other things on a streaming service that would that would, that would pay for the creation of this thing that no one ends up watching fortunately we all discovered it and all watched it and it was the most incredible thing um, I but also what a random thing to make a documentary for like to pitch that and have that go ahead for a commercial television network you've got to be kidding me that's not going to happen um, but also the the technology that's out there I feel like Tiger King didn't really have anything um, mind-blowing in terms of score, in terms of film um, or cinematography, Um, but it didn't need to have that. And I feel like to make something that is um, not basic, but what is kind of standard, is more affordable nowadays, Um, and, and the turnaround time, there's less investment required to make that sort of thing, because... Everything is recorded to hard drive and then you upload it and then you do a little bit of editing, put like a filter over it and you're done, out, out it goes kind of thing. Yes, it requires some background kind of story um, telling to it, but that's for the person that's passionate about making this thing to, to put the time in to, to make that, or to craft it into something brilliant. Um, but back in the days, no one could just go and make a run-of-the-mill podca- uh, podcast, goodness, run-of-the-mill documentary um, because it costs too much and there's too much required and too much of an investment required to do it. And also screen time is limited. So again, you're up against other pitches, other opportunities, um, other suggestions, other ideas. And
1: commercials.
0: And commercials. So you have to
1: pay for things with commercials, whereas subscription companies somewhat pay for themselves mm. with their service you know like you pay yeah. a subscription and with that subscription that's what that's the money they use to make content so it yeah like but, and it, that's what it, i mean it pays itself off a bit more
0: that exactly that's what i mean by there's no there's less risk because it's okay for somebody to i mean we've seen a matter of shit movies on netflix who the hell are gonna watch those netflix originals like some of them are terrible but they I can be I watched a really there.
1: bad one the other day They're like that. They can get bad. (laughs) No, no. I mean, that's pretty shit. No, it was um, an LGBT romance drama that was produced by Chris North. 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 I can't. Don't know if it's North or North. North. Whatever that the dude, Mister Big. Um, Yeah, Chris North. Yeah, it was him, and it was just bad. I feel like everyone gave up halfway through that movie. (laughs) Um, But. But yeah, like but. but
0: that can exist, though, because streaming services allow duds to exist because it's either content for somebody or it's content for the sake of having content. And and that's what streaming services often do. So documentaries can be made because someone's going to watch it or no one I will, but it doesn't think, matter.
1: I also think that there's a whole genre of documentaries that hit this sweet spot between information and reality TV which is why they capture Mm. so much of the audience because they get all the reality TV heads and they get all of the people who really like watching, you know, documentaries in general or his like history or informative or crime or serial. And then they got, yeah. And then it's the Mm. reality TV thing. So I think also the rise of, you know, Ozzy Osborne, we have to thank for the rise of that reality TV. Yes. Like they, that that has a lot to like to do with this as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, um, documentaries—they've definitely changed. I think. I think there is there is. I think there's a lot of there is a lot of change with the documentaries, and there's a lot of change with us as an audience, um, or not as an audience, us part of the audience, the three of us individuals. Your taste changes your um, desire for content or for information or to learn. Back at school, that sort of age, I think it's ridiculous that you expect a teenager to try and learn stuff because a teenager literally doesn't give a shit about learning anything. You know, they're the king of the world. They're they're Really, they're a legend in their own lunchbox. But but to them, <laughs> why should I give a shit about something else or learn more about that? It's only later in life that you really, for the most part, I'm not going to gatekeep and say that no one wanted to learn anything at school but you know it's the wrong time because it's not the age where you just want to know more or you respect the world and what's out there Mm. so um yeah i think documentaries have changed for us because we view them differently but also i think there is definitely an actual change to documentaries
1: yeah be interesting to see how the next 20 years goes
0: Mm, let's see we're back after this
1: And now it's time for What the Quote, that great segment of the show where we look back and what last week's quote was, Drew.
2: The quote was, Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you.
0: Yes, and that is from um, The Beatles with All My Loving.
1: Uh, And Phil, what is the quote for this week's episode?
0: The quote is... These hairless primates you see behind me are part of an untamed subspecies, best known as the thornberries.
2: Yes, exactly. And uh, if you do know where that quote is from, please reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
0: You know the way to do this.
2: Anyway, on with the show.
0: Okay, so... um to carry on basically with the documentary theme That we've had throughout the entire episode uh, we, we thought we'd have some fun now And look at our favourite documentaries Now this is entirely subjective um, We all have Opinions on what makes a good doco or not um, Some of us May prefer to see the wild failures Of a festival promised to be fire Instead go up in smoke Or The tragic <laughs> rise and fall of the greatest Race driver of all time A story with one name His It could be the loss of an icon Gone far too soon At the hands of substance abuse Like we saw with Amy See, the truths That may upset us May challenge us May make us want to turn a blind eye And do nothing It can be quite inconvenient The triumph of mankind On the brink of the end So close to the void You could reach out and touch it Documentaries do so much um, and are so much Given to us by sensational people The people that guide us on the story The people that um, share their knowledge and their passion um, The people who allow us to understand The explanation, um, more sympathetic and more relatable um, At the hands of these wonderful storytellers Right down to the microscopic Made to feel so large The little things in life, the little things, the the organisms, um, the ants, up to the elephants. So much from that can be taken and told to us in such a, a passionate way, a way that makes you give a shit. So you may like documentaries, you may not. It's totally fine. You may feel humbled by them. You may be hurt by them. Some look out, some look in. We are taught by documentaries Documentaries are an absolute gift to us. We love them. And here are some of our favourites. That was beautiful. So,
1: <laughs> that was poetic. I actually... I, I I, was reading along with you and I, that yep. was powerful and I'm very proud of your... I had to, yeah, that one
0: I had to write and, out.
1: And all the puns. No Did kill but- you not
2: to say yeah. Senna?
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I had written Senna then I took his name out because that's more powerful. The fact is... His the, name is the thing that's the powerful thing and to take it away from it and it still is yeah. interesting and still relevant and still um, the mm. the message, that's the thing that makes it good.
1: The, the whole thing that you did there, I'm just very... Because you're right, like documentaries, there are ones that you feel humbled by mm. and there's ones that like... There's documentaries that I've watched once that I can never watch again, not because they're terrible, but because they make me cry that much or, like, they, but, they're they just that devastating. Yeah, and- but also
0: there's there's terrifying ones. And I mean? Terrifying is in, oh, that's a really scary documentary. I mean, terrifying is in, like, The Inconvenient Truth. We're, we're seeing the destruction and the death of our planet at the hands of us, and there's nothing we can do about it as individuals except, you know, try our hardest but at the end of the day it's not down to just us as individuals and we were throwing out one garbage one thing from the garbage bin into the recycling bin that can be recycled it takes corporations that are in charge of that to, to do that um again if you look on a slightly and that's largest, out of our control yeah if you look at slightly larger scale australia for example saying oh why why should we do anything if china's going to keep polluting it's like are you fucking kidding me do your bit dickhead but you know Some documentaries are like that. They're terrifying. Some are just bizarre, like Tiger King. Some are failures um, in a good way. As good a way a documentary can fail in showing a failure, which is, you know, fire. Um, Fire
1: Festival documentary, I think, is severe. I think it gets a lot of praise, but it's still severely underrated Mm. for how amazingly they told such a failure of a thing. Exactly. Like, that takes talent. But, like, speaking of talent... Mm -hmm. Yes. Um one of our favorite 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 documentary hosts and we have not really talked about him at mm. all I think this episode and I think it needs a big reveal. He's,
2: well, he's not he, just a host, he is a documentarian. He is a the, documentarian the, it's like, his that's work.
1: his job, that's his life's work. Yeah. He's hilarious. He he does all those things that you said Phil, like he he humbles you, he humanizes the most demonic people mm-hmm. in this absolutely fabulous way. Louis Thoreau. Oh,
0: love Louis.
1: Louis mm-hmm. Thoreau, and I think everything good that he does in documentaries, because he doesn't he doesn't do documentaries that sit there and tell you things and tell you the history of things. He doesn't do those kinds of da- documentaries. He does documentaries that makes you look at the world and ask why. He doesn't necessarily answer why. He gets you to think about it and he gets you talking about it. And one of my Mm. favorite series he does is The Most Hated Family in America,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, which has three parts. The Most Hated Family in America, 2007. America's America's Most Hated Family in Crisis in 2011. Sorry, 2017, 2011, and then Surviving America's Most Hated Family, 2019. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this series of documentaries is so great. So the West Barrow Baptist Church is put on show for all the world to see. Mm-hmm. We see the terrifying reality of a cult and their beliefs, the harm they've caused to those grieving the society and the delusion that they have for everyday life. And it's over three separate documentaries and we start to see their world unravel. Um, and it's not, the cult is not something that they can sustain and it doesn't sustain. But the most interesting thing that I find about it is that part of the reason why their cult doesn't sustain is because he went in there and he asked them questions, mm. not aggressively, not um, violently, not conf- confrontingly, but just had a conversation with them that made uh, – and I'm going to forget her name. The daughter is rapino, maybe no, that's the soccer player. But anyway, the daughter – one of, it made one of the daughters question things mm-hmm. and question why she was believing in what she believed in and it made her go on to Twitter and look at – she started – Conversing with other people the way Louis conversed with Mm -hmm. her, and that's what helped her get out of the cult. And I just, it's just the most fascinating thing to watch these three series. I love it. Yeah. Some parts are extremely confronting, but it's worth it. Sorry, that's my gushing. I love no, 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 no. no,
0: I I completely agree with you. I mean, he he is. The way... Again, the way Louis asks the questions... The way he so innocently will ask a question... That has so much power or force behind it... Um... And, and almost... Not just in these documentaries... But in all these documentaries... Almost set them up to make themselves look foolish to the, themselves... He's, he's an interesting documentarian... Because he... Um... He... He tells their story from their side... But at the same time gives a bit back... By basically saying like... What are you doing? Um... So he questions them from a place of which comes across as pure ignorance and therefore allows them to kind of feel relaxed and And open up. And just innocent curiosity.
1: Um, It's not aggressive. It's not thing. It's just very innocent of, but why would that work?
0: But it still causes them to not question themselves, in some cases question themselves, but um, feel foolish in what they're doing at how ridiculous it is. You know, whether it is... It makes them falter um, a little bit. Yeah, whether it's the gamblers in Las Vegas, whether it is um, 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 plastic surgeons or plastic surgery obsessed people, um, whether it is yeah anyone from the most hated family in America and the process that they go through, um, even at the end, you know, making making um, the the founder's daughter uh, Fred Phelps' daughter cry, um, Shirley uh, cry, um, because. The questions that he asked which remained Consistent throughout the entire show In the three meetings with them The barriers that they had built up Were getting weaker and starting to Fall apart by the end because That's his, There's nothing wrong with his questions It's the people that are changing and so the way He's asking them isn't of a place of Attack but of Yeah like absolute Curiosity um, It seems and, and it makes people open up in so many different ways. Again, we see the same person in three different shows or, or three different um, parts um, act so differently with the same questions. So he just has this way of, of not making you go, ah, you asked me that before, I know what you're trying to do. You still just get kind of suckered into to Answering. opening up to him. You know?
1: I, I think one of the best examples of it is and i can't remember the name of it and it's going to annoy me um the the documentary where he goes to the built the like city of pedophiles the pet, the the pedophile town yep um yep I, he goes in and he doesn't treat these people like they're despicable people they've done despicable things they admit to doing despicable things uh
0: he always he always says hi I'm Louis from the BBC how do you do like he'll always yeah. just ask them like they're people Yeah
1: and you can it's not like one of those documentaries or series or like things where you know you meet them at the interview you do mm. meet them mm-hmm. you do meet these people in an interview but before you meet them in an interview you watch Louis meet them and introduce himself And mm-hmm. that I mm. think is powerful and the other thing that he, the one moment in that that always gets me is that he one of the guys is walking him around his bedroom and this guy is uh, a a a pedophile who preferred little boys and had all of these things it was a teacher wasn't he i think so
0: like a gym teacher or yeah something.
1: yeah and he um has yeah it is a gym teacher or something because he has a postcard on his wall of um athletics gym yeah boys doing gym gymnastics and it's boys and the boys look quite young like some of them look like adults but some of them look quite young and he's got it up on his wall and uh louis just questions because they're supposed to be in this place rehabilitating louis just questions does that picture you know um inhibit your rehabilitation or something along the lines of that and the guy's like what do you mean goes, well, the boys in that picture look quite young. Like, is that, you know, it, it does that help or hinder you kind of thing? And he says it so thing, and the guy just, you see this moment of realization on the guy's face of, oh, I have a picture of young boys in my room. And then he goes and tells his counselor, and his counselor's there too, and she's looking at it, and she's questioning it like, should that be there? And you just see this whole thing of them basically dissecting his life because he asked one question and it's yep. just a great little picture oh, I, I love Louis. sorry
0: you you see it you see it even his his confidence to ask these questions or ask people you know these questions a very heavy topic but but in such a conversational way again when he's in um you know uh, maximum security pr- prisons in the US and he's asking someone who's there on a life sentence for murdering someone he'll just ask them like so, you know, what's a, what's a day look like to you, you know, or well, what, what, what did you, what, what did you, you get into, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that, that, that Louis has a way of, of asking, asking things in such an interesting, nice way. So, yeah, I, I think that Louis is an absolute br- brilliant genius. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I, I that it. was
1: massive tangents there. True. That's okay touching
0: mm. the void. Well, yeah. I I think well actually touching the void um sorry. No, no, did, go did for. It. Touching touching the void is one that um, I wrote down a couple of examples here. Touching the void's one, Sen is another one, um Tiger King, but we already discussed that one a little bit. Um I I think I think I think actually because we we were speaking about um, um Louis Theroux, we should almost just jump straight over to um someone else oh uh, um, and i think we that,
1: have touched upon him earlier today but sir david attenborough mm-hmm. yes um yes. we should talk about him properly. yeah exactly
0: yes, you're right um yeah yeah well i mean i mean it's almost a good if we're on a tangent may as well stick with the tangent why not it's what we're famous for <laughs> um basically like like louis Theroux, it's his delivery it's his demeanor it's his fascination it's his passion um his intrigue you know they're the sorts of things that that draws us in um, really close um, you know makes us as an audience you know really captivated um, or as captivated in fact as they are in the thing that they're talking about um, and so so David has this voice that it makes you feel sympathetic or um, like excited for um, or proud mm. of you um, and like in in shock and awe of, of whatever it is that he's talking about, like you know, like if on, on any scale, you know, proud of the fact that this is part of what we have on Earth, or this is part of our country, or this is part of the sea, or um, you know, you go plant, you know, growing in the sun, you know, in in you know, fast forward, and you know, like it just he just has a way of of drawing you in and making making you feel I really think, engaged in what we're. I saying. think
2: he's quite personable, which is actually how I described you today. Just off topic again. <laughs> I, did you- I, I did to a um to a colleague of ours. I described you as quite personable, <laughs> but I do believe that that is what is unique right. there with Sir David. I I think that mm. you know we we are inclined to um to feel what he's feeling as he expresses it because it's almost like he invites us in when when he does these, it's like he's letting us in on this little secret, and it's really exciting. Like, he's excited to share this with us, and his passion is so infectious, and, you know, we've all grown up on him and his documentaries, and his voice is just a part of human history now. It's iconic. I, I mean, you know, there's more parodies of him than of most other things how many times have Mm. you gone on youtube and seen some form of parody or spoof that has contained him in it and it's not even out of insult but just pure love and joy and total respect for him i mean if he ever asked anyone to shoot someone point blank you couldn't say no because you knew that you trusted him there was a reason behind Mm. it
0: not that he ever would. He would never ask us to do that because he is no. such a legend, wonderful man that he wouldn't do that. But yeah, I, you I, would, <laughs> you would exactly.
1: You'd have to because it's Sir David Attenborough asking you. There has to be a good reason. Be- because and he says there it's must be so well, nice a good reason. Well, obviously,
2: we would just assume that to shoot that person in the back, we were saving the planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't think. I don't, think yeah, it, I don't exactly. actually think it is just his voice. I think his voice is iconic because of just how amazing it is. But I think it has to be. It's also about, like, the style of documentary he narrates. They're really interesting and they're always quite detailed with the sounds, the footage, mm. the animals or bugs or plants or whatever. Like, it's always beautiful and remarkable and it's just so much of every day just, like, that we pass by and ignore, but it he makes it amazing. And it, I, I think some of it's ASMR, but yes. it's like the yeah. original ASMR content, but like him and his documentaries have made, it, it's as a society, we have benefited from David Attenborough's documentaries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you guys ever have anyone else, any other documentarians that you'd want to call upon? I mean, I think briefly I can say um, um, Dr. Brian Cox's, Brian Cox?
1: Brian, Yes, Brian Cox. Yep. You're right.
0: Yeah, Doctor Brian Cox is is a brilliant one. Who he he has a he always has a like a smile on his face. It's just his natural resting face is like a little gentle smile. Yeah. But um, again, you can you can hear the passion in whatever he's talking about, and he does a great job of being able to explain things like space and time and the universe and everything beyond. And and yeah, again, it's just being able to make the unexplainable or the unfathomable fathomable um you know and 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 be bite-sized content that you can accept and be blown away with and again be humbled by
1: i think um because he somewhat reminds me of louis in the way he goes about his documentaries um Mm. todd sampson um i'm a massive fan oh i love todd sampson documentaries yeah i'm a massive fan of body hack Um, That was Mm. one of my favorite series, um, just because of how he goes and talks to these people. Like, sometimes they do very serious things, but sometimes they do very weird things, like, to their bodies and cause put it under extreme pressure and pain. Mm. And he doesn't really – he questions them why they do it, but he doesn't make it out like they're crazy. And he tries to do what they do, and he tries to, you know – emulate and see what he can stand and understand their mentality behind it. And then he also explains the physicality behind it, like the actual science behind how they're withstanding that much pain or how they're pushing their bodies to those extremes. And I just, I I like the way he handles it all. It, he never makes anyone sound crazy or anything sounds stupid. He mm. always makes it sound reasonable and understanding. I, I just like that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, so, if there are no, I'll chuck yes, one in. Yeah,
2: um, go on. Uh, for me, the, I've always loved, um, and you mentioned him briefly before, but James Cameron. Just um, not not simply for my love of Titanic and all his Titanic documentaries, but nobody's passion All of his, yeah, all, all of his um, ocean exploration documentaries which trace back to when he made The Abyss and everything that came after yep. that. Um, even ones where he's simply produced and he's he's been a very hands-on producer, um, like ones where he's looking for Atlantis and things like that. There, You can see that, that passion for something that is still very alien and unknown on this earth. And that always just captures my imagination every time I, I see it
0: mm Absolutely. Um. Of course. Um. If you would like to let us know some of your favorite documentarians or favorite documentaries, um, I'd, I'd, I'd. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Um. Again, if you're someone that that we know in reality, come up to us and let us know and t- tell us what you think. Mm. What are your favorite documentaries and why? What What is it about it that that makes you? makes you marvel at, at life and, and what part of life is it that it makes you marvel at um, uh, code for documentaries on Netflix is 6839 what the hell does that mean oh, so, so you when you go in into a
2: Netflix search you can actually type in a code and that is the category code that brings up every single um, every single documentary, v- documentary that and docu
1: series so they have two codes and I forgot to put the other one in but 6839, that's the one for all the documentaries and docu-series. There's another one that starts with 11 that is only um, docu-series. And then there's another one that I did not get at all, which is only documentaries. But yeah, if there, there's like a whole right. series of doc- Netflix codes if you look them up. But yeah, 6839, okay. all Excellent. documentaries on Netflix.
0: Yep. Excellent. And with that sound, it brings us to the end of uh, the episode, um, which means it's time for us to go. But first, we need to get to our sick Kent of the week. Yes, we do. Um, I'm sure there may be some um, nominations based on this episode that we just recorded. Um, I do also have another one for outside of here. Um, outside of this, this, this episode, um, nominees guys. Uh my nominee um, this week
1: is uh, definitely Jeff Bezos and his rocket dick, which isn't a compliment. <laughs> that's not. That's not. You know, no one's heard about his great bed prowess this week. This is literally no, no. this week he launched a rocket in the shape of a dick into the at Earth's into space, and he was on it, and it was weird. <laughs>
0: And it. And I don't think he understood the And
2: nope. he took off rather quickly, didn't he?
1: Yes, yes, he did. He shut off.
0: Really and for
1: quick. A space exploration, he came back down quickly too. <laughs> like if you think about it, you yeah. should want to be in space for a couple of days, but no, he he did it very quickly.
2: Yes, I he, he did. just wanted to say he'd been there, done that.
1: It was a notch on his bedpost. Yeah. Um, any other nominations, guys?
2: No, I'm happy to give it to The Rocket.
0: Uh, I do have um, a nomination. I'm going to nominate Coldplay for coming out with what Drew and I think is our first ever music trailer. Yeah, that was that so, was weird, but wonderful.
1: Is it the first ever music? Yeah, wait, yeah, do you absolutely. think it's the first ever music trailer or the first ever music trailer you've seen that you're interested in?
0: First music trailer that I'm, I'm interested in. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, Just
1: going to say, they've been around for a while. No,
0: no, I didn't I didn't say it was the first ever. I said it was the first ever that we've... or well, first one that Drew and I have come across, really, in this sort of way, anyway. Um, yeah, and, and also dropping on, on me or us the excitement of the fact that there's another album yeah. coming by Coldplay. That's a very exciting prospect. Already, a year after the last one. That's quick. Well,
1: we're going to have to review but that But I'm happy to give
0: it to Rocketman. Mm. Well.
1: Uh yeah. so Rocketman? Is, is it
0: Rocket Dickman? Rocket
1: Dickman, I think. But I think
0: Rocket Dickman. I'll
1: play might get it after their album comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, excellent. Jeff Bezos, you are our Dickhead <laughs> of the of the week. Um
2: <laughs> No, no. He he is that. His rocket is of the dickhead.
1: A little minute no yeah, no, it's the rocket. <laughs> it's the dick rocket that won Sick Kent. I don't think Jeff Bezos is
0: okay. it Okay.
2: I'm not giving him an award. Okay, fine. <laughs>
0: it's 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 the it's the um it's the The rocket. world's sure largest vibrator. Yeah. Well it certainly <laughs> vibrated its way up to space. Um Yeah, awesome. Okay, well that brings us to the end of the show, and it is now time for us to go. Bianca, thank you. Drew thank you. Thank you, Phil, thank you, Bianca. Thank you, Phil,
1: Franks. thank you, Drew.
0: Thanks. Yeah.
1: Why isn't my recording stopping?